Welcome to the Cassidy Efforts Podcast. This is episode 82. You've got Chris and Brian. Um, this time around, we're going to talk about um, subguns, pistol caliber carbines, um, basically, yeah, your civilian legal submachine gun-esque type uh, weapons. Guys, there are, um, this is a category of firearms that, that kind of has gone a little bit different route since um, like SB Tactical has come out with braces uh, and some of the other devices that are out there that, that act as pseudo stocks um, that the ATF can't figure out which way they want to go on. Um, the, there are there are some inexpensive options that start with like the Strybog and the Scorpion and run their way up through pretty doggone expensive options like uh, the BNT APC9K Pro, uh, as well as like the H&K SP5s and a few others. Um, you know, you can spend anywhere from probably less than a thousand dollars, maybe not at today's current market value, mm-hmm. but you know, at, at normal market value. Um, you know, eight hundred to a thousand dollars, all the way up through three thousand dollars, pretty handily. <clears throat> but and in, in it's interesting because at both ends of the cost spectrum, you can end up with a pretty good gun. Um, you know, the CZ Scorpion is a is a proven platform that's now in use by military and police agencies around the world, um, and and in some pretty crazy places too. It seems like uh, the Finnish National Police now have something like uh, ten thousand. Uh, scorpions in in inventory um it, it gets cold in finland so the reality check that you know it's made out of plastic how durable is it blah 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 blah. um and i get that especially asking that about a long gun versus you know like a glock or something like that that's going to be in a holster inside your waistband and a little bit protected versus a long gun you may actually have to smack somebody with um you know i'd like to know it's pretty durable and the fins choosing you know the scorpion makes that a really really interesting choice yeah never mind the aftermarket for it, which we'll talk about here in a minute um so you know we're looking at stuff in subcalibers. uh that can be nine millimeter um if you're if you're invested in 40 a number of companies are making guns in 40 caliber uh cmmg is doing the banshee i believe in a 40 caliber gun mm-hmm. and there are a few other options out there um, a little limited. Uh, there are also a number of companies doing guns in 45 ACP and in 10 millimeter. Um, you know, 10 millimeter, best millimeter. Uh, you know, 40, 40 short and weak versus the man's caliber. Uh, yeah. Um, CMMG does the Banshee 300 in 10 millimeter. Um, if you're an Ohio resident, that is a deer legal pistol. Yeah, eight inch barrel. Um, you know, if you start buying ammo from some of the places out there like Underwood and Buffalo Boar are making some 180 hollow points, bonded hollow points, and some 200 grain hard cast bullets um, that out of an 8-inch barrel are probably pushing 1350, 1400 feet per second. Um, you know, I would like to see the actual data on those, but if you're talking about use against light-skinned animals for hunting, like deer, like white-tailed deer here in Ohio, um, or you're talking about using them, I, I don't know if I would consider that a haul ground or not. It would be, I would think it would be a decent haul ground. Um, if you're hunting wild boar, uh, especially cause you got multiple quick follow-up shots, just make sure you put the first one where it goes. Um, you know, but it, it, we also have some guys running 10 millimeter out West that they're carrying around as a backup to a bow because they're bow hunting elk or whatever. And using 10 millimeter guns, you start putting that into a carbine, pretty, pretty neat little setup, pretty neat little option. Um, the other thing that's really interesting about a lot of these guns is that it's just how flipping handy they are. They're really lightweight um, with the folding stocks. They're super compact for storage. Yeah, or folding uh, braces. Folding braces, pardon me, or if you want to SBR and put a folding stock on it. Sorry, I keep using those interchangeably. I know that's not proper of me. Um, it, it's just a really, really versatile platform, and, and there's a certain reality check to 
you know, yeah, pistols for fighting your way back to the rifle you never should have put down and blah, 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 blah. That's fine. That's cool. Um, but I think these have a niche role. There's a, there's a space in there for these guns, I think, if you're, you know, trained up properly and how to use them. Having a 20 or 30 round mag of 9mm loaded appropriately is, is not something to sniff at. So. Yeah, especially when we talk about, you know, the fact that most of these guns are relatively easily suppressed. Yeah. Um, and running 147 grain 9mm through your PCC or through your subgun-esque um, firearm gives you a very quiet um, suppressed weapon. Yeah, or, or running 124 plus P pluses through the ones that will tolerate it um, makes it a little less quiet and puts a significant amount more energy on target if yeah. that's your if that's your call too. Um, you know, I don't know who's making plus P plus defensive ammo at the moment, but even plus P 124s or something like that out of a little bit longer barrel um, would would give you a little bit of an edge, I think, over your handgun. So yeah. never mind, you know, the the four points of contact kind of deal. So. Uh, we're going to kind of dive into this and, and just talk a little bit about, you know, some, some advantages, disadvantages, uh, some, some conversation about how you might set the gun up, um, you know, and, and, and just dive into that a little bit because it's, it's a big, wide-open market. This is probably one we could do, a, you know, multiples of podcasts on just based on each platform, um, but we're going to kind of give you an overview of, of why they're so popular right now and, and why we're all kind of digging them and kind of dipping our toes in that water too. Well, you jumped in the pool a long time ago, Yeah. but you know, I'm just starting to dip my toes in the water right now. So, um, yeah. so to, to go back about five years ago, um, this market really was the CZ Scorpion and the SIG MPX and some HK MP5-ish clone type things. Yeah. PTRs, um, who else makes an MP? Uh, PTR did Zenith. one. Zenith and some other. And there was, I think, one other five years ago at that point. Yeah. Um, and this is back when um, braces were not shoulderable because uh, we were back in the Obama administration. Um, having taken a CZ Scorpion S1 pistol out, um, running a sling, you know, SAS rating the Iranian embassy um, reverse <laughs> sling tension style. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> came to the conclusion pretty quickly. Like, wow, this is not easy. Yeah. Um, and it became kind of a, uh, like a cool range toy to show off to friends um, and then giggle while they couldn't figure out how to do reverse link tension either. Yeah. And, and um, if you're curious what we're talking about, go back and watch uh, Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen and Michael Bann, uh, Rick Rosovich, and a few others, because everything they do, they do with MP5s, reverse link tension, just about, and you'll get an idea of what we're talking about. Um, that, that weapon actually got SBR'd. Yes. Um, to make it functional. And then it was like, oh, wow, this this really changes the game. Yeah. Um, and then this that also became the, like, what do I do with my pistol caliber suppressor? Yeah. Oh, it goes on the subgun. Because that's there. where it stays. Yeah. And that's where it works really effectively. Um, you know, going forward a few years, um, we've seen the CMMG Banshee um, platform, you know, 100, 200, 300 grades. Um, the 300 version is pretty awesome. If you're looking for that AR-15 controls um, that you want a 9mm, you really can't beat the CMMG Banshee. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and also, you know, looking at some of the other, some of the other guns out there, I, I wouldn't ever say, you know, obviously our opinion is not the be-all, end-all of, of anything, but if you, you know, do some research out there, if you look at some of these manufacturers, like the, the Strybog has an almost cult-like following. Um, but they've had their issues and it depends on what generation you get and you might get the newest generation, but it might have the last generation's parts in it on accident because they can't seem to 
find their buttocks with both hands and a flashlight right at the moment when it comes to that. Um, and maybe they've got it fixed. Maybe I'm behind the times and they've got it fixed. But the Strybog, I've just had too many guys who are squared away dudes pick one up because the price was right. And it was way cheaper than going to a B&T or an SP5 um, and got the gun and within a week had sent it down the road. Like, nope, 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 nope. And I don't know if they've gotten their game together yet or not. Um, you know, some of the other options out there, too. The the MPX, again, we've got all kind of guys with MPXs. We've got one of our tribe here locally um, who has an MPX that he's thrashed. Never had a problem with it, and he has an older one. But we keep hearing about MPXs going to two-day classes and not surviving a two-day class. Uh, due to catastrophic failure under the auspices or under the guise of small metal parts that are metal injection molded or whatever, I'm not sure, um, small parts failure that shut the gun down and render it useless for the rest of the class, um, you know, versus some very known quantities. The B&T uh, APC-9K specifically is in or use. The APC-9. Yeah, APC-9, but the K is specifically the pros in use by Joint Special Operations Command for the United States for military. Um, you know, the SF guys picked up a thousand of those probably a year and a half ago now. Um, and, and the one or two guys we know that, that have touched them professionally have said it's a pretty awesome little gun and, and, and likely is the gun that will make guys want to give up their MP5s because the MP5 has a cult following. Um, even amongst professional end users, it, you know, it's, just, it, it's really hard to get away from how cool that gun is versus how outdated the manual of arms is, etc. So, um... But a lot of really neat options. You know, when you start looking at pros and cons of these guns, size is a huge pro. Yeah. Suppressibility is a huge pro. Capacity over a handgun is a huge pro. Um, you know, when you start looking at... I, I, Four we, points of contact the ability to easily mount a red exactly. dot. Exactly. Yeah. You, uh, red dot, light, etc. Um, you know, makes these guns very, very useful, um, especially for that close to intermediate range encounter that most civilians, you know, should be preparing for. Um, having said that, we have a couple of goofballs uh, in our group that are engaging steel targets with them at 300 yards. And if anybody tells you that, you know, well, what happens if uh, XYZ semi-terrorist group shuts down an intersection in town and, you know, you're stuck and you look down High Street in Columbus, you could have a 200-yard shot on your hands. I would tell you that if you know your game with the gun... Um, you could, you could make somebody wish they'd gone to get a root canal rather than show up for a gunfight at 200 yards with a nine millimeter subgun. Yeah. Um, you know, are the ballistics the best at that point? No. But do you want to catch one in the left eyeball? No. Um, so, you know, some of that, some of that civilian usage may simply be, um, you know, if you're shooting at 200 yards at somebody, you're probably the bad guy. But or if somebody's you're... shooting at 200 yards with an AK at you with an AK, and then you're trying to get your family to safety... Um, this would be a whole lot better option than, you know, trying to do something with a Glock. So, so um, I would say those are the pros. There's probably some others I'm leaving out there. Yeah, the other, one of the couple of the other pros, uh, because we're shooting 9mm, um, you know, again, normal times, 9mm um, is generally half the cost of your 223 or 5.56 ammo. And still generally less even right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also the ability to shoot pretty much on any indoor range. Uh, provided the range doesn't have weird restrictions around pistol braces and other things. Um, but we're, you're not tearing up backstops. You're not destroying um, steel targets if you're shooting things up close. Um, if you're if you got an actual carbine or an SBR with a proper stock and you go to a USPSA competition, um, you can actually run that gun, you know, in the stages in the match. Yep. Which gives, you know, obviously not exactly real world, 
applicability, but um, a pretty awesome opportunity, you know, to use that gun under stress, under time constraints, yeah. moving in and out of tight spaces that are designed for handguns, yeah. um, which is a, a decent replication of, you know, using your sub gun inside your home or inside a building or something. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll throw out one last thing. You, you know, you touched on the, the ease of suppression uh, and the efficacy of suppression. You can make a 147 grain 9mm bullet really, really quiet, and it's really easy to do. Most of these guns come right from the rip, set up ready to put a suppressor on, yeah. whether it's a tri-lug adapter on a B&T or whether it's, you know, thread pattern on anything else. Most of these guns, right out of the gate, if you've got the can, just throw it on and go. But even without the suppressor, there are outdoor ranges where you can train and do 9mm stuff where the neighbors don't get quite so pissy if you're doing 9mm training with, you know, a, a handgun caliber round um, after dark, things of right. that nature where, you know, normally they're calling the sheriff if a rifle's banging away. Maybe with the handgun you'll get a little more forgiveness because it's quieter, I don't know, but it's definitely quieter. Um, so even unsuppressed, the other thing with that is it's a lot easier on new shooters too. Um, a short barreled 5.56 gun for a new shooter has a ton of muzzle blast. Even though it never a lot of recoil, it's got a ton of muzzle blast. Um, and, and these guns don't have anywhere near the same effect on a new shooter as well. So, you know, definitely a good way to bring somebody into the long gun conversation and get them squared away and trained up before you hand them, you know, an 11.5 inch AR or, or a 14.5 inch AR. Go from there. Yeah. Uh, I guess the you know, downsides to pistol caliber carbines. You know, obviously, we don't have the same amount of energy on target that we do with the rifle. Yep. Um, unfortunately, with physics, we can't we can't change that. Yeah. Um, if you're concerned about, you know, well, the controls aren't exactly the same as my AR. Um, if you're fairly squared away with an AR, you can make any one of these guns work with about five minutes practice. Yeah, most of them. Probably the biggest thing for the you know the transition from an AR system to these guns is that the safeties are generally very similar. The safety's in the same place to get the safety disengaged to shoot and to get the safety re-engaged to go back to a safe condition is pretty simple. Um, you know, you might have a bolt release in a little bit different location. You may have, you know, a mag release in a little bit different location, but I do think all those are trainable. Um, you know, most people out there, uh, if you're a professional end user with an AR, you probably have some training with a handgun or a shotgun. So that's a completely different system, and you don't, you know, nobody out there doesn't, you know, they, they don't like forget which way's up when you hit them a different gun. So it's just a matter of understanding when you pick a gun up, hey, this is what I'm running right now. Um, you know, get your mind right and then do whatever you need to do with it. So um, I would say there are a couple of cons along the lines of some of the better versions of these guns. Some, some of the options are very expensive. Um, and H&K SP5 is currently running over $3,000 in this market, but I mean generally MSRP is almost three, and they commonly sell for $28. Um, that's a really expensive gun. For a toy. That's a really, yeah, that's a really expensive gun. Even, even for the tool, it's yeah. a really expensive gun, and it has a very dated <clears throat> manual of arms, and all the accessories for it are generally fairly expensive. Spare, good spare mags are, are very, you know, HK or metal spare mags are really expensive. Um, you know, and the it's, it's HK, which means good luck getting square parts. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. And, you know, and, and, you know, same thing, tra uh, it transfers through for the BNT. The BNT is a, a pretty expensive gun. Generally you're looking 24, 2,500 bucks. Um, so you start pushing through those kind of prices versus looking at like a Scorpion or something like that. Cause they can generally be had for a thousand to 1200 bucks. Um, it's really hard to argue with a Scorpion, even though it may not be quite as ergonomic out of the box probably in less than $100, you can have it very, very similar to anything else out there. Um, yeah, yeah. And 
mags are dirt cheap. You can buy P mags that actually work in it for what twenty bucks a pop. Twenty bucks a pop, and they yeah. hold thirty five rounds. Uh, yeah. With the Scorpion, um, I've got two of them now. Yeah. Um, I'll get into that a little bit more in a moment. Um, the grip from CZ is a piece of junk. Yeah. It's kind of like plastic sights on a Glock. Yeah. Um, just expect to replace it. Um, the Yeti Works grip is really nice. Um, the Apex grip is really nice. The Magpul grip is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of options um, that you know you see on the internet or on the Facebook groups. Everybody's like, oh, the safeties, the safeties. Um, as soon as you put a properly angled grip yeah. on that gun and give it a pistol brace or a stock yeah. in the event that you've SBR'd the weapon, um, you can actually, the factory safeties make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, it's really easy to turn, to go from safe to fire with your thumb and then to put that gun back on safe with your trigger finger knuckle. Yep. Um, just like an AR. Just like an AR with uh, ambi safeties. And and if and even at that, if you the safeties are also easily modifiable on that gun. We've seen a couple of them where um, you know somebody's worried about where it rides, um, and and they've kind of ground down one of the safeties to to decrease the paddle shape of it, but still make it functional to put the gun back on safe on that trigger finger side, um, on the right side of the weapon, I guess if you will. Um, and there's an aftermarket for it as well. There's a number of different companies that make aftermarket safeties too. So if you just really can't live with that part of it, that's no big deal. Um, there are aftermarket mag catches. I don't know how necessary they are, but the mag pull one definitely makes it very intuitive going for the mag, um, to get it out of the gun. The mag pull one actually gives you a noticeable increase in leverage over the factory mag release. And it, it makes it, it significantly increases the probability that your magazines will drop free on an empty mag. Okay. Which is a big deal too. So, um, and you know, and if it, if it's, if it sounds like we're Scorpion fanboys, um, uh, you know, obviously Brian is, you know, it's two of them, but as, as I look at the different options out there, it's, it's really difficult to reconcile the price differential between, um, the other good options and the Scorpion. The Scorpion is definitely a little more crude when it comes to recoil. There's significant bolt mass, um, as a blowback gun, it, it definitely moves around a little more than say like a BNT, um, APC nine K really doesn't move around a lot, but it, yeah, but you're still talking about a nine millimeter gun with four points of contact. It, it just doesn't, it, there's not enough of a differential there to justify the price point when you could buy the gun, go buy the ammo, go take a class and then go buy some more ammo and, and, and probably still and have a, money left over a whole lot of mags and yeah. everything else in an optic and a gun. light and everything else. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately that makes CC scorpions extremely difficult to get a hold of. Whereas BNT APC 9Ks, even in today's market, still keep popping up as available. Um, you know, and then the uber expensive stuff like the SP5s, um, nobody's really talking about because HK's made like nine of them um, and, and yeah. has rendered that conversation less than relevant. So Because HK, and they hate yeah, you. Yeah, and they hate you. So, um, so kind of beating on pros and cons, um, I would talk a little bit about setup or? Yeah, so setup, um, one of the things that you keep in mind you know, all these guns are designed from the factory um, to not deal with stupid American NFA rules. Yeah. Um, so things like optic heights, um, stock rise or lack thereof, and then obviously pistol brace, you know, rise and lack thereof. Um, the Scorpion is really designed to run um, AK height optics. Yeah. Um, with either the factory CZ stock on the carbines. Uh, or with the SP tactical braces. Uh, back when CZ originally introduced that gun, they came with a pretty awesome set of metal fixed sights yes. that were very low. 
Um, the newer guns are shipping with Magpul Embus sights, which are AR height sights. Yeah. Um, they give you a chin weld. Yeah. Um, so something to keep in mind. Um, on the, the gun, I've got SBR. I've actually got a Magpul Zukov stock on there. And it took some playing around and realizing that you can take the SGA um, cheek piece risers from the Magpul shotgun system and put on the Zukov, or they make it a, a riser for maybe it's a Zukov specific riser. For yeah, I'm not Zukov sure. Stocks. Either way, Magpul makes a riser and they make for a it. riser for it. Um, going to the tall riser finally gave me a proper cheek weld with an a, a lower one third yeah. height um, AR optic on there. On the micro, uh, I'm running a Kurdishkan H MRO HD in a AK low mount. Um, it works great, uh, but then backup sites become a bit of a challenge. Yeah, and and CC, if you're listening, um, please dear God in heaven, go back to putting those metal sights on the guns um, because those were actually the right sights for the gun. Uh, I know it's probably cheaper and easier to throw Magpul sights on it, uh, but they don't work if you actually shoot the gun properly. Um, maybe they work if you're running nods and if you're running nods, you're not using iron sights. So nobody cares. So those of you in Kansas city or wherever you are today, pay attention. Um, uh, other thing, you know, most of these guns were putting some kind of folding system on them. Um, whether that is, you know, a law folder with a, a CMMG Banshee, um, things like the APC nine system, um, is designed to fold. Uh, it's got the folding piece built into the receiver. Yeah. Um, on the CZs, on the Scorpions, we take the factory end plate do whacker thing off of there, and the the braces have a folding mechanism. Or generally, we're getting some kind of stock system that's got a folding thing on it. Yeah, there are, um, and a lot of these do have sliding options on them. Um, the sliding options are nice for storage. Um, I, I still don't think they're as nice as the folders because they still leave the gun an inch or two longer in general, which is usually the limiting factor if you want to throw them in a briefcase in a satchel bag, in a small backpack, whatever. Um, it does keep it a little cleaner, a little slimmer, but most of the sliders just really suck to shoot off of. I mean, yeah. even the old school HK sliders on, you know, SP89s and MP5s and stuff like that, um, HK91, 93s, the, there's no fun shooting off of a wire bar somewhere along your mandible, um, you know, rather than having something you can actually cheek up and get up into your orbital and get where you're supposed to be on the gun. Um, it, you know, they're, they're out there, but... You're, I do like the folding options in almost every single instance better. Yeah, the the challenge becomes with the folding option, we're generally stuck with the stock folding over onto the right side of the gun, mm -hmm. um, which as a right-handed shooter means we're putting our left hand up towards the front of the gun, um, meaning we're wanting to put lights and things either on the top rail, which depending on how the gun is set up, um, becomes not an option because our optics are low-mounted. Yeah. Or, you know, we're putting, we're wanting to put things on the left side of the gun and it becomes a packaging issue when you're trying to put this gun into backpack, briefcase, um, et cetera. So definitely something to keep in mind. So yeah, B&T, if you're listening, um, or SB Tactical, pardon me, SB Tactical, if you're listening, um, consider making something that's either reversible or making a, a opposite side folding version device uh, would be really nice to give people the option for setup. Um, I get it. Right now, that's probably not going to happen, but just think yeah. it out loud. Uh, and that, that brings me back to, um, unless you have, call it a mission requirement for a Kurz model um, subgun, yeah. get the longer one. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more comfortable shooting. 
if you got bigger wingspan on your arms, um, gives you a lot more places to put your hands. Uh, it gives you a lot more flexibility when it comes to mounting uh, lights, lasers, slings, uh, etc. Um, the the Curves models are great. They're tiny. Um, I realize there's a, a quality all its own in compactness. Yeah. Um, but if you're setting this up, you know, home defense, um, looking to just go have fun at the range, going to look to shoot, you know, PCC competition or something, um, having the additional rail space yeah. and the additional handguard length um, really makes things a lot easier. Yeah, it, it does make life a lot easier. And your wife will tell you two inches matters. I mean, it's it's legit. So having a little more barrel length helps with velocity. Um, you know, it, 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 it gives you more space to work with, which is a big, probably the bigger deal, honestly, than the yeah. velocity. Um, and then also understand too, that some of these guns, they are going to be magwell hold guns in some cases. Um, so if, you know, if you, if you can't give up your reach and far out cost a shoulder up over the top C clamp, um, maybe it's not the right gun. And if you're taller and have a long wingspan, understand too, you might, you're probably going to feel a little cramped on some of these guns. It, that is the price you pay for the ability to literally stow it in a small backpack or messenger bag uh, because they are flipping handy when it comes to that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, guys, the, the other guns that are out there, you know, we talk about, you know, Brian mentioned all the, you know, the sight issues and stuff like that. Um, you actually run into some of the exact same issues when you start looking at the guns like the SP5. Um, I, I don't know if it's quite the same issue with the Sig Sauer guns, but I, or I'm pretty sure the MPX you run into some of the same issues too, where I think the height um, is an issue because because the way they're made, they don't have a inline tube like the AR system does, like the CMMG guns mm -hmm. in the Banshees or like an AR in a shorty configuration or long configuration has that buffer tube that's in line with the barrel that's on the same axis. Um, you know, you, you've got a system where you can, you can give it some comb and give it some drop, so they do, but then like we keep saying, they keep sending them out with stupid sights on them. Um, so it you're going to run into factory sites or like they're shorties. Are they? Uh, well, like on the SP5, it's, they're built-in sites yeah. typically, so that's not a big deal. But you do get into the same thing with optics mount issues. Um, you're generally going to need a low mount, so just be aware of that. Um, on the MPX, like I said, I just I can't recall what's on the MPX or if it's AR-ish enough that it's okay. I feel like it's almost irrelevant. Yeah, it, yeah. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice. Uh, but just be aware of that when you go to do this, the, the site, the sighting issues. There's definitely a conversation to be had there. Um, if you, you know, if you can find some sucker selling a set of their old, uh, sites off of their CZ Scorpion, snatch them up because at some point they're probably going to wish they had them back. Um, but you know, it's one of those kind of things. Um, it, 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 you generally will run into the same issues though, across the spectrum with these guns, as far as how you kit them out. Um, the sling swivel, sling mount options are, are not necessarily awesome on everything. Um, but it's totally doable in today's world. You can get a hold of mounting systems that go on pick rail. Um, you can get a hold of slings and actually do sling wrap mounts rather than everything being QD. Uh, okay. There are more than ample ways to make these things functional um, and, and move forward with them. Um, it, it's, it's actually been a lot of fun watching you guys set them up and do some different things with them to the extent that I've never really had a big interest in a subcaliber pistol with an arm brace kind of device. Um, but seeing the micro set up the way you got it set up definitely gets my attention. Um, seeing some of the APC 9Ks set up the way we've seen them set up yeah. definitely gets my attention. Um, and again, we're back to you know some changes in the market too. Cheap to shoot, quiet to shoot, suppressible, etc. Make them very interesting. Um, I, we talked a little bit last night, and I don't know if you want to talk a little bit too about the ability to use these things with nods. Yeah, 
Um, so, you know, we start looking at if you're doing night vision stuff, um, you know, we can run full ninja where with the right optic, we just turn it way down yeah. into one of the night vision settings and you're actually looking through the optic with your night vision tube. Um, there's no visible signature at that point. Yeah. It's really handy. Um, honestly, if I'm taking more of a, call it 50 yards and out shot, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, because using lasers past that distance gets to be way more interesting. Sure, sure. Um, you know, putting, you know, a laser on there, whether we're looking at something like a Surefire and X400 Vampire, um, one of the Streamlight TLR2 or TLR VIR2s, yeah. um, which is a, a handy little option. Um, TNVC's got their new little button dealio thing. Um, from Steiner that is pretty promising looking. Um, we've got one of our tribe has one of those and we're excited to get to actually see it in person. Is that, like, is that the tour? Is that, is that I think that's the about? tour. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a tiny little button laser only um, a couple different power settings, civilian legal power settings on that. So you can set it to a power that's not going to bloom at the distance that you're working with. Um, you know, obviously being able to mount a white light on there as well is important because um, in, in the event that, you know, lights get turned on or, you know, the world gets crazy and you need to go to a white light um, and, you know, flip your nods up, um, that becomes important. Yeah. Uh, with all of these guns, given, you know, blowback recoil and big bolts and things, um, you definitely do not want to mount your PBS-14 tube to the weapon. Yeah, um, I think you would you would kill your tube pretty quick um, doing that. Um, not to mention, you lose all kinds of situational awareness and being able to look where you want and not muzzle everything. Yep. Um, and that kind of gets back to you know one of the things with you know these guns um, on a like a BNT and APC nine K or a Scorpion Micro, um, you have exactly like one and a half M lock slots on yep. each side to work with, um, on a regular, call like Scorpion S1 pistol or a BNT APC9 Pro, uh, you get about two and a half M-Lock slots yeah. on each side of the gun to work with and on the bottom. Um, personally, I like to run a hand stop, the reversed, um, one of the Magpul XT style um, dealios to make sure I don't put my hand in front of the muzzle. Uh, yeah. So I'm using up a little bit of the stuff on the bottom, uh, you know, as a pistol configuration. Um, vertical grips are an NFA no-go. Um, on an SBR, you know, running a vertical grip on the bottom um, has some distinct advantages. Sure. Um, I'm doing that on my Scorpion that is actually SBR'd. Um, you know, we start to, like, rail space becomes, you know, a very important consideration. Um, trying to fit... You know, a white light, a laser, um, an optic, keeping everything to where you can get to it, where you can replace batteries and unmount things, yeah. um, becomes a bit of a, a setup issue. So definitely, you know, do some do some planning, do some homework, you know, figure out what you need to have on the gun to accomplish your mission, and then you know start thinking about okay, which which gun potentially which handguard. Um, how do I need to package this? What can I run on the right side? What can I run on the left side? What can I stack up on one side or the other? Um, yeah. 
all those things become really important. Yeah, and, and this is definitely one of those guns. You know, we tell people in the shop all the time, um, you know, unload it, case it up, bring it into the shop. Let's let's put some of this stuff on it and play with it, um, you know, and, and just take a look and see where you're at. This, is, this stuff's a lot of fun for us to look at, too, and see, you know, what solutions somebody else has come up with. Um, you know, or if, or if they've got an idea about how they think they want to run something, but not, you know, not the experience, then we can sometimes keep them from making a two or three or $400 bad decision and, and get somebody in the right piece of kit. And it's, it's pretty cool. Like I said, uh, this is something that I didn't really pay a lot of attention to. Um, but it, it, and it, it's really hard to deny this market. It's, it's pretty interesting what's out there and what the options are for sure. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, yeah, the other other thing to consider, um, you know, logistics around this stuff. A lot of these guns um, run on Glock mags. You know, we got the BNT. Uh, we got lowers right now um, that you can convert a, a APC nine that runs on um, BNT mags over to run on Glock mags. So you can run happy sticks. Yeah, and the lower uh, and the lower is not mags. a gun. It's just yeah. an accessory. Um, yeah, and so the, the, it's the, the Dash G version of the gun is available just as a lower for 400 bucks, 425 to add on. So, uh, you know, the CMMG Banshee uh, system runs on Glock mags. Uh, CZ Scorpions, uh, we've got mags available either from CZ with the factory mags. Mm -hmm. They're on the Gen 2 version of that, um, 20s and 30s. And then Magpul makes 35 round P mags that are 20 bucks. Uh, so being able to, you know, support the gun, support the system, keep it running, um, so you can have a fighting loadout and then mags to train with, uh, definitely something to keep in mind. Big deal. Yeah. So very um, cool. Um, this is a topic, like I said, we could probably spend almost as much time on each variant um, and talk about kitting them out, talk about the, you know, the little bit of work we've done with them, a little bit of shooting we've done with them. Um, but it, 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 like I said, that's that's kind of an overview to let you know what you're getting into and let you know that we're thinking about it. Uh, and, and it's something that we do actually have our heads wrapped around a little bit, even if it, each platform varies a little bit. So if it's something you're interested in, let's talk. And if you've already got one, let's help you get it set up, because I do think that it's a very viable tool in, in its in its niche. Um, I think you do a lot of work with something like that if you're, if you're squared away with it and have it set up properly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that all being said, um, we are still in the middle of the COVID-19, George Floyd riot, fallout, craziness. Yep. Uh, we are working on sourcing you know, guns like this as best we can, but they are relatively hard to find. Uh, if you want to find out when we get things like this in, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we are posting you know, things as they come in um, up to there. Uh, if you see something you like, Please do not hesitate to pick up the phone and give us a call. Um, we can take a deposit for that weapon over the phone um, on a credit card. Um, again, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Cap City Outfitters as long as they let us stick around. Yep. Uh, we do an email newsletter once a week. Uh, or again, we post about things that have come in, uh, topics and stuff such as this. You can sign up for the newsletter on our website or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. Uh, and we will happily add you to that. Uh, please visit us on the web at capcityoutfitters.com. Uh, we have all kinds of interesting information on there, such as how to purchase a suppressor from our storefront on silencershop.com, and also how we do FFL transfers. Yes, uh, indeed. Yeah, lastly, uh, please stop in and see us. We're in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. Um, we're right in front of the Aldi's on Cemetery 
um, next to Louis Fusion Drill. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you. Um, please be advised that due to Mini Mike's tyrannical decrees, uh, we are running COVID-related um, hours. We are open 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Come, come join our protest. Yes. Uh, looking forward to seeing you soon, and thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.